Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. This is Action and Ambition, the show that takes you all over the world to share interviews with the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their backstory, get the most important lessons they've learned on their road to success, and hear exclusive tips on how to implement their success in your own life. Action and Ambition is brought to you by Entrepreneur Magazine and your host, Andrew Metal. Thank you for tuning in to the Action Ambition Podcast. I am Philip Lanos, and today we are joined by Riaz Attar. Now, he's an accomplished business strategist, transformation expert, and operational excellence leader, and project and change management professional. He's worked for various companies, from small to Fortune 500 in the United States, the Middle East, and Canada, such as Caesars Entertainment, DHL, Express, Danon, Michelin, Maple Leaf Foods, Chumash Casino Resort, Dip and Dip, and General Electric. Atara has initiated, planned, and executed transformational initiatives, business, and technology that contributed over 250 million net profits annually. Raz, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me, Philip. Yeah, no. So you've worked with big names and you worked with small names. My question to you is, did you plan to be in business growing up or, or does this happen way out of left field and you wanted to be a painter or something when you were a kid? It's an excellent question. I, I actually wanted to be a doctor. Wow. Yeah. And somehow I ended up um, in finance. And um, back in like in the late 90s, I was actually doing pretty well in finance. But uh, I, uh, I was doing some work with, at DHL and I saw the CEO of DHL doing like magic with this like continuous improvement and strategy and transformation. It changed my life. And I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. And then I started doing project management and transformation and, and turnarounds and, and, and change management, all those kind of like really call it differently, different things, you know, call it transformation, optimization, continuous improvement projects. You're changing something from current state to future state. So I was like fascinated by how that worked. That actually makes sense, uh, especially if you wanted to be a doctor. You're technically a doctor of business operations. <laughs> it's funny that you just mentioned that because uh, people ask me, so what exactly you do? And I exactly tell them that, that, that answer. I was like, think of me as a doctor when maybe some organizations are facing maybe issues or pain in certain ways, and they would come to a doctor. And the doctor first thing asks, I need a diagnostic. I need... I need blood, blood, blood test, CT scan. I need to ask you questions. I need to ask your wife questions, maybe your friends questions. So you, got, you gather all the data and data is gold, right? And then you go back and you analyze the data and you come, and come, you come forward with, um, with some recommendation. Well, here you may need a pill that will help you ease the pain and you will be fine. Here we may need to operate on you on a, like a, some surgery kind of thing. And on that, that area over there, unfortunately, it's kind of a, 
a, a, a uh, unfortunately it's like a cancer so you may need to amputate <laughs> <laughs> or or this this strategy that you're going after is really dying so you may want to think about changing your whole perspective on on how to do business in that country entity business unit whatever it is yeah no i love that i love that analogy especially because that's what you wanted to be when you grew up and somehow you ended up being a kind of that you know, so for me, having worked with small companies and big companies, is there a pattern that no matter the size of the company you've noticed, this seems to be ignored a lot? Definitely. So, so actually, I was talking about this yesterday uh, with one of my clients, and I was saying, whether it's individuals or businesses, as we, as we grow, you know, we go through, you know, school, college, university, or if it's a business going from like a small entrepreneur to like a bigger organization, we, we were like fearless. We were like trying to explore and then trying to get something, you know, every day and learn something every day. And then as we build our strength and we build our barriers and walls, so then we become familiar with our safe zone and we do not want to change any further so when things change around us whether it's a new competitor a new environment a new innovation whatever we try to resist and we we stay in our comfort zone we don't want to get out of that comfort zone so whether it's like individuals or businesses i've noticed specifically that the resistance to change is 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 really big and and people try to and leaders try to resist change and somehow they are dragged back to their kind of, I don't know, where they started many, many years ago, where like they're losing revenue or now maybe they're losing market share or whatever it is uh, that they're having problems with. And that's why they come to us like, I'm having a problem here. Well, how about we can think about this differently? How we can improve, how we can innovate, how we can think about you, rethink strategy and rethink your operation and rethink innovation and so on and so forth. So, so the, the common denominator here is the, 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 the organizations that recently in this era are uh, the ones that are succeeding are the ones who are getting a little bit out of that comfort zone and trying to reignite that uh, explorer kind of you know um ah. tiger in in them versus oh i'm um, you know i want to do uh, we have done it always this way and this is what i like to call the business death sentence it's really a sentence but it's the business death sentence we have always done it this way so yeah i see okay mm -hmm. So in, in an age of ever-changing technology and uh, ever-moving demographics, uh, if companies decide that they want to stay the same and not revisit their processes over and over again, revisit what kind of market share they actually have, as opposed to resting on their laurels and thinking they've got it made, those things, regardless of the size of the business that you're, that you're consulting, you find often the pattern is the ones who are like, well, this is what we've always done. And what's the point of changing that? That's not broken. We actually think this is our problem. Self-diagnosing in that respect too, turns out to be the biggest culprit of the lack of success that companies want to see. Yeah, I mean, like I have found that many organizations feel that change is a threat, but others that generally succeed see change as opportunities. And then they try to see how they can leverage those risks to their advantage um, and then move it from a negative risk to a positive risk 
and 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 uh, and the ones who are able to do it quicker are the ones who are able to meet or exceed the market uh, needs or demands. Um, because again, if you think about it, since the 1800s to like maybe call it like the late maybe 1900s, things were changing, but not as constant or quickly as happened as what happened over the past, call it 15 years or so. So, so now change is happening at a much accelerated fashion. So those organizations that were like big and strong and the dinosaurs like 20 years ago, they're not as nimble as the newer organizations who are like quickly adapting, quickly listening, quick, quickly changing to the changing dynamics of the organization of the markets surrounding them. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you're right. One of the one of the biggest challenges for like a, a giant organization that has a lot of red tape because they're a thousand employees plus is they can't just turn around and change everything because that change might require an entire staff change. Uh, it might require an entire executive level change and no one wants that, right? So there's a, there's always, there's politics, but there's also the lack of ability to just drop everything they were doing and transform themselves because they are this entity, right? As opposed to a more nimble company that wants to act with the same kind of budget a large company has, but doesn't have that budget, but can continuously transform and grab things from the lower end, right? That's kind of what you've noticed. Is that yeah, what you're saying? Absolutely. And, and then add to that technology, like when you are um, a, a, an older company, you already have like legacy systems as well. And then now you want to leverage newer technology to reach your customers faster, to, uh, get, you know, to be more efficient. So you need either like to move to the cloud, you need to leverage high and newest technology. And, and not always that journey is, is easy. I mean, it's not as seamless as you would think. Sometimes you may need to rip and replace. And sometimes it's, it's, you may need to integrate slowly, but that journey is, not, is, is very, very, very difficult. It's full of obstacles. So there is the people aspect that you just mentioned. There's the process aspect, which is like, again, like old processes, whatever. Um, that inherited that may or may not be uh, may not be efficient at, at this point of time. Uh, so people process technology, of course, and then the data. What data we have, and how do we how do we collect the data, and how to how to how do we collect newer data? How what do we do with the data, and how we can leverage that data to our benefits? You know, I've always believed that consulting is an art. Uh, just as much as it is a business. And so that being said, there's always an artist and each artist has their style. So for me, I'm, I'm curious, Riaz, when, when you first are approached by a company to, to seek out your consulting services, what's the first thing you look to discover or learn about the company to determine whether or not, number one, they're going to fit what you're doing uh, for them or whether or not they are in dire emergency need of, of actual consulting? Like before you can even get consulting, you actually need this. Or what, what's the thing you look for immediately? It's the vision. It's the vision and mission, Philip. It, it, it's, it's all about, so look, um, most of the organizations, of course, are, are led by, by uh, key executives or owners, uh, whether it's like a small entrepreneur, a small organization or big organization. It's just, it's just either a business owner or an executive. And that person 
or uh, most of the time set the tone across. We call it the shadow of the leader. So, so I like to call it the halo of the leader because that leader will inspire uh, everybody around, around him or her. So if that person set the tone towards, hey, we need to change, we need to grow, we need to excel, that person has the energy um, and, and, and that energy is contagious that energy sets the tone across the organization. So if I see, if I see that the leadership team and that, uh, that those people at the top have this positive energy, they wanna move forward, they want to uh, transform their organization or maybe not, not a full transformation, just optimization could be, uh, then kind of that tells me that it's somewhere now it's in the DNA. It is somewhere in the core versus you are you are pushing kind of a, a, a you know a, a very kind of a gooey thing up the hill. It's kind of you're trying to push it up and it's kind of coming rolling back down. You see what I'm saying? Uh, okay. So if I were to put together what you said earlier, one of the common things is companies who are in their comfort zone, and you combine that with the idea of essentially a company that has to believe before anything that it can be capable of transformation. Only then can you actually begin to talk about transformation. Is that correct? Absolutely. I mean, you will not be positioned for success from the get-go. I mean, if, if there are no... So it could be a need, it could be necessity. So it could be like fight for existence <laughs> or it could be a need for growth. And, and, and it, again, it starts at the top and it starts, you know, with either the owner or the business leaders who set the tone that we should transform. Otherwise, unfortunately, we will no longer be exist in existence in a few years. I mean, think about those big giant organizations that were at the top of the world uh, 10 years ago. I mean, uh, there's so many like Kodak, like, yeah, uh, yeah. like Nokia, like Blockbuster. I mean, those like huge, big companies, like there's still some of them that exist, but like at a certain point of time, they were at the top of the world, at the top of the pyramid. And, and some of those, there's so many examples, right? So there, I think they were, I wrote that, uh, I wrote about that in my book, I think 90% or over 90% of the Fortune 500 companies that existed in 1950s and 60s no longer exist at this point of time. Those are Fortune 500 companies, right? Those are the big, the big giant wealthy companies that sometimes over like decades, they were like controlling every business. And in 10, 15 years, 90% of them disappeared. And now they're like, you know, new blood. And, and again, remember that agility, that innovation, that excellence, uh, that's kind of what is, uh, is, is positioning newer company or companies that existed and now are able to leverage the, you know, innovation and excellence and, 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 and optimization to their advantage. You know, there's this concept, I'm glad you brought that up. There's this concept that, uh, that I heard thrown around a while ago. And I wonder if I can get a business strategist perspective on it, that a business can't stay small. At some point, if it's in operation and it's doing it successfully, it almost begins to grow on its own uh, one way or another. And if you don't have the structures in place to facilitate that growth, it'll then sort of cave in on itself and start off small again or fail. But you can't stay small as a business if you're doing well. Yeah, I mean, you can, but, but like you will, you will probably be, you know, kind of not growing, maybe shrinking every year a little bit, try to climb like one step up and then go down again. So there's not like a, 
a steady growth unless like your market share around you is growing and there's no competition whatsoever because of maybe government uh, protection or something uh, that that uh, keeping all the competitors away whatever from you uh, but but generally speaking to your point all companies all organizations in one way or another as they operate they start to see um, uh, bigger wider uh, horizon. The ones who generally succeed and grow, the ones who actually capitalize on those opportunities. And I remember, get out of that comfort zone. Okay, let me try to explore. And, and there's always risk, right? So when you go to work, when you leave your house, there's a risk that you will trip over your, your you know, your, your uh, I don't know, like a step or a grass or a can or something. There's always a risk. Does that mean you stay at home, uh, you know, all the time and not work? Well, you have to go to work. When you ride your car, there is a risk that somebody could, you know, hit you, you know, whatever, you know, and, and you know, you have a car accident. God forbid. There are always risks, but there are some. How can you avoid those risks? How can you reduce the likelihood of those risks? And how can you uh, transfer that risk? There are like, you know, all those strategies. But then, you know, I want to go to work and I want to. I want to get better. I want to get more education. I want to be. Uh, I want. I want to be something of value to the society or to the world or to you know the country or whatever. Right. Got it. So so if if we were looking to start transformation, let's say I'm a I'm a company and I'm like, all right, I want to start transformation, and uh, you verify that I'm willing to step out of the comfort zone. And I'm willing to believe that I am capable of transformation across the organization. Yeah. How will we go about developing a plan? Is it a, is it a matter of, of jumping on a call and going back and forth and workshopping that? Yeah. Or do you have a methodology that you see, you, you've seen work time and time again for you? Excellent question. So, so I, I have seen it many times in the past when, yes, many organizations realize the need they sit in the you know meetings and they determine that yes they need to optimize or transform so they start by again like making decisions sometimes hire consultants putting neat presentations putting uh, together like a fat budget to fund the efforts um, sometimes they tell their employees they're going to change and then a few months later nothing happens <laughs> they're still struggling with those like major roadblocks and and no no major decisions are able to be made and and many many transformations fail many of them so i again i write i, I write about this in my book because i truly believe of those like three legged stools which i call strategy delivery and culture so in in my view there should be an adequate balance between strategy delivery and culture. So what that means, I'll give you kind of a quick example. So so where are you located at now, Philip? In Los Angeles. Okay, great. So suppose you're in LA and you want to go to San Francisco, right? And 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 you have you have a vehicle, you have a vehicle and you want to go but you do not have a navigation system. You don't have a northern star. You don't have a map. You don't have a road map. You just want to go. You have a powerful engine and then you hit the road and a few hours later, you're in Salt Lake City because, again, you don't have that northern star, that strategy that guides you, that sets the tone, that roadmap that takes you from point A to point B to point C. It's not there. So you end up somewhere else. 
you may not really be where you should be. And it could be even in, in, a, in a worse place, in a more dangerous place, whatever, right? So you have to set your strategy right. The second thing is your delivery. So you may actually have a Northern Star, you may have a good navigation or, or GPS or whatever it is, but your vehicle is terrible. I mean, it halts every few few miles, it breaks, you're, you're, you run out of uh, gas, you run out of water, you're, you're not prepared, your delivery mechanism is so bad, but your strategy is wonderful. You have a beautiful strategy, you know exactly where you're going, but instead of that taking you four hours or six hours, it's taking you four months, if any. And, and you will either miss the boat, you, will, you arrive late, there's nothing in there for you, or you may never arrive in the first place. So you need to have a great strategy, and then you have to put behind it a good delivery mechanism. Uh, and then the third element, which is as important, and specifically for business, because you cannot do this alone. If you're driving, that's a whole different thing. But if you are in business, you need to delegate and you need to have a good, you know, good people and teams around you. So you need good culture and change management. So enable change and enable adoption and have people um, inspired by your vision working with you. Otherwise, they will start jump ship and you will never be able to to do this alone and ultimately fail. So there should be an, an adequate balance. So those, those businesses who are seeking to change for the better, to move to a far better, brighter future state, they need to strike the right balance between strategy, delivery, and culture. If it's not balanced, you will be sitting on a wobbly three-legged stools. I like that. Now, you've mentioned your book a couple of times. It's, uh, it's available on every marketplace. Yes, Amazon, on eBay, on eBay, on Walmart, Targets, everywhere. Right. And what's it called again? I'm sorry, I didn't see the name here in my notes. It's called Change to Win. Change to Win. All right. Riaz Attar, Change to Win. And now um, people listening may want to connect even now before this entire thing is over. So my question to you is, are you on LinkedIn? Are you active on social media? Should they go to your website? What's the, yeah. what's the deal? Yeah, absolutely. So they can either go to riazatar.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, they can visit my company's website, sayaplus.com. Uh, so any, any, any way I'll, they can Google me, they will find, you know, many ways to, to reach out. I love that. And Riaz Atar is R-I-A-S for Riaz. And then Atar is A-T-T-A-R. So make sure to check that out. Now, Riaz, we've come to the final question of the of the conversation. Time flies. You know, I wish you know. we'd have gone deeper on it. We were just getting started, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, I would say if we could have invited anybody to join our conversation, and people have passed on this question, so you can. Uh, yeah. Whether it's uh, dead or alive, people have answered uh, Alexander the Great, Elon Musk, Oprah, my grandkids, you, you name it, right? If you could invite anyone to our conversation to have joined us, who would it be, dead or alive, and why? Yeah, that's a, a very interesting question. Um, I, let me think about this for a minute. So, so if I bring anybody from like the 2019s to you know the 2021 era, uh, who would that be? Because that that would be something that uh, it would be interesting to see how they from their perspective how change at that time versus change at this time will 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 like pre pandemic, huh? Yeah, or yeah, pre pandemic versus post pandemic. You know, pre the technology boost era versus post. Because again, remember things change every day. So you can think about 
uh, you know, the most successful people at this era. You know, for example, you can think about Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and Elon Musk and, you know, many, many, many successful like uh, um, leaders in, in, this, in, in this era. So if, if I can bring them now, I actually would love to learn from them how, how they figure that out uh, quickly, right? And add to the content. But also would be really interesting to hear from those people who do not exist now and, and like bring them now as like, hey, if you were if you were now in this specific era, how would you change it? How would you do it differently? That that would that would be something you know quite interesting. So. Um, how a business owner from like the 1920s or something? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like some some sort of uh, leaders from like the older, uh, maybe maybe from the 90s or 80s. It's like okay, so ah. so so how how because like again, remember the 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 the, the current leaders right now, uh, they the, the, the those names I just mentioned, they figure that out uh, through innovation, through technology, you know, through uh, the, the things were right for them and for, from a time perspective, they were in the right place at the right time, they have the greatest mind and they have the greatest alliances, right? So they were able to figure that out. It would be interesting to see, you know, for those companies that failed, for example, how, how would those executives think about it differently if they would do it differently, for example, wow. and if they're not, if they're no longer here, okay, how would they, you know, like a post-mortem or kind of something or pre-mortem call it you know yeah. i'm gonna do this again what would they do knowing now what they didn't know 10 years ago or 20 years ago that's kind of what i would i would we would would be fascinating to hear their perspective because again like i would i would love to hear both you know the people who actually made it and the people who actually failed and if they if they were giving another chance how would how would they do it. I like that. I like that because it just goes to show the way you view your practice and the work that you do. You know, um, when a company approaches you and they are failing, that doesn't make, there's no judgment on you. It's like, interesting. Why are you failing? Immediately you're, you're hooked, <laughs> exactly. right? If a company is succeeding and they want to continue to innovate and transform, you go, interesting. Okay. Why are you succeeding? Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, <laughs> so what I'm taking away from this is wherever you are in business right now, it's the perfect place to be. It's the perfect launching pad for the next level of your business. And, uh, and Riaz, Atar knows how to take you there from wherever you are. That's what I'm getting from this. And it's truly a partnership, what it sounds like, because there, you, you take true empathy and curiosity into every business. I, that's what I get from the answer to that question. So for me, I think that's a lesson if wherever you are in business, especially post pandemic, uh, no judgment, don't be hard on yourself. As long as you apply yourself and you believe you are capable of transformation and you're willing to step outside your comfort zone, maybe even hiring a consultant like Riaz, you can get to where you need to be. That's the takeaway. Riaz, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for having me, Philip. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Action and Ambition with your host, Andrew Metal. Please leave a review and subscribe and go to andrewmetal.com for all the exclusive lessons, behind-the-scenes footage, and video content of the show. Follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Action and Ambition, and we'll see you on the next episode.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.